Hello, Pumpkin Spice Podcast listeners. Today, we have a very special episode to keep you in that spooky mood. We're showcasing an episode of Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast, but not just any reenacted episode. It's this year's Reenacted Halloween special. So if you like the dynamic of these two, Go check it out, Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. It's hilarious, it's thoughtful, it's a great conversation. And they do special bonus episodes like this Halloween special, which you are about to hear right now. But if you'd like to hear more, go to bridgeburner.page and you'll see all of the fun podcasts that are part of the Bridgeburner Podcast Collective. All right, on with today's episode. And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries Podcast Halloween Edition. It's Don't- a record scratch. <laughs> Not a regular episode. Yes, yes. Uh, longtime listeners of the podcast will know that during Halloween, we record some sort of episode that's not... In the least bit related to unsolved mysteries, and then it's instead uh, some sort of film uh, r- r- appropriate for the Halloween mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the past, we have we've now done basically two dark comedies mm-hmm. about cannibalism. We proposed to do that again this year. Ultimately, I don't think the movie that I chose was a good contender for discussion. Oh, well, I, so. plus I couldn't, the streaming service it was on, I am not subscribed to, and I was going to go over and watch it at someone else's place, but stuff happened. Yeah, stuff. And yeah. Uh, yeah so, yeah. I, I, listen, I don't even think that movie was worth going over to someone else's place to watch. <laughs> let alone subscribing to uh, one of the streaming services for it wasn't bad it was just it's just one of those movies it's like two days after you watch it you've completely forgotten that you've seen it so um yeah our my solution because i had just happened to purchase this blu-ray and i know it's a film that you are very familiar with and would have no trouble discussing is that we if you want to announce what we're going to talk about today we're going to be watching it follows, which is a uh, sort of mumblecore indie, no budget horror movie from 2014. <laughs> now, I, when I say no budget, I say that with the highest compliments because what they were able to achieve, effect-wise, with no money, is pretty incredible. I think. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so this isn't. Yeah, this isn't the. Uh, it, this movie is a mood. If anyone who's seen it, um, we will spoil it. You've had eight years to see this movie. I think it is pretty widely available uh, for rent. I don't know that it's free anywhere on streaming because that's why I bought the Blu-ray uh, because I got frustrated. <laughs> I 
because I wanted to watch it. So I just bought the Blu-ray. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not even an A24 movie. I mean, it's even more indie than that. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a... Um, if I recall, when it came out, everyone in 2014 was talking about it, though. I remember... Uh, everyone has seen this movie. It was, it was really a hit when it came out, if I recall. I, I, rem- I remember it uh, getting discussed a lot. And it was actually a number of years before I saw it. Uh, so I didn't realize how much I would love it, of course, at the time, mm-hmm. having not seen it. Mm-hmm. Robbie, one of the reasons I proposed this movie, other than having just bought the Blu-ray mm-hmm. to use, I recall that you had once described this movie as your ASMR, <laughs> that you'll just like put it on in the background. Yes. <laughs> Something relaxing, uh, which is super weird, because <laughs> this is not a relaxing movie. <laughs> well, yeah, it. I. you're... you're not incorrect. I it, <laughs> it, the well, the thing is, is I kind of feel like if you remove the supernatural entity from this film and mm-hmm. kind of maybe you, you made some softened up some stuff like the the mm-hmm. drugging and uh, whatnot. Um, yeah. You what what you would have is like a really atmospheric like coming of age tale about like a group of friends mm-hmm. who are they've they've just recently all left high school and you know mm-hmm. and this it's a it's a late summer early fall sort of film and when mm-hmm. when they go to the beat uh the beach house later on i mean to me it's just like if you remove the supernatural entity from this film you would have something more akin to um what was that movie licorice pizza <laughs> but maybe with a yeah i i would say i probably enjoy this movie more right licorice pizza well no just yeah, saying I, a lot me being a, a valley girl and a big time fan of paul thomas anderson i think this this does a lot more with a lot less right right well, than something like that as far and i think i totally agree with you it is a coming of age story because and it's it's well, let me get into the synopsis really quick. Yeah. So if people haven't seen the film, you don't want us to spoil it. Maybe stop listening, go watch the movie, come back. It is it is totally a movie worth watching, and I say that unironically. Yes. It is, it is a fantastic film, but um, it's also very scary to me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so basically the, the, the brief plot synop- synopsis is a young woman is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. And basically the idea is that uh, there is a supernatural force that you contract like an STD. Mm-hmm. And the rules of the force, the supernatural force, are, are laid out very quickly after the, the title sequence. So um, here are the rules. Uh, you can only get it by having sex with somebody. You uh, can also then pass it to someone else. Once you have contracted the supernatural force, you become the only person who's able to see it. Although there seems to be some physical presence that it has. Uh, Later in the film, people who can't see it are able to interact with it in Mm -hmm. some ways. Um, It can change form. So it can be your mom, it can be a total stranger, it can be your dead grandma, it can be any of these uh, things. It is not ever a monster. It is always a human being, and uh, it walks. So the idea is that 
you, it is always walking slowly towards you. It never runs. Um, it's slow, but it's not stupid, as one of the characters in the film says. Mm-hmm. So you, um, you know, you can get in a car and drive away from it, and basically buy yourself the time from wherever you drove from to wherever you are now, and how long it takes to walk between those two places. Yes. So is that is that about accurate? I'd say is that's what's going on here. I'd say that's a pretty comprehensive explanation of what this entity is and what it's up to. Um, I mean, if we one could spend hours sort of pondering the uh, the the you know minutia details of like you know what constitutes sex for it exactly and you know does it walk underwater or would it board a plane if you went international but uh, the, I mean those those are you know getting in the weeds sort of things I think you you describe the the you know the, the all the all the sort of attributes of this entity, um, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, those are the, those are the rules that are explicitly put out in the movie. So yeah, I was, always, as I was watching this, I'm like, well, I mean, is it a fluid exchange? Do you have to finish to get, <laughs> and it follows who has to finish? Is it only heterosexual sex? Is you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, you could you could get caught up in what all the actual trans transferring properties are of an it follows. Yes. But I think to get caught up in that, you're right, it would be kind of missing the point. So the main character is a young woman named Jay, and all of this takes place in the uh su- suburbs around Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um now, trying to maybe even more interestingly than trying to decide how an it follows is transferred from person to person is trying to decide what time period <laughs> yes this film belongs in. It is very intentionally ambiguous. Right. This is another popular like point of discussion because there's such a yeah. mishmash of. Uh, not just technology, but aesthetics, uh, vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a good feel for what the tone of this is, is when um, uh, Jay, uh, she walks in to the house, her house um, at one point and her friends are watching a, a movie on a really old TV. But one of them is, has like a little clamshell, I don't know, um, tablet reader type thing yeah like an e-reader thing it's yeah. just it looks like a makeup compact mm. yeah yeah and i mean i think obviously from my understanding i think the you know the director did that to sort of like make people feel dislocated you know you, you don't even know what mm-hmm. time period you're in so <laughs> good luck uh feeling at ease at all but though to be fair i think if you went into a house that I lived in, you know, at any point in the last couple of decades, uh, you would probably see like about 40 or 50 years worth of, <laughs> right. of um, uh, technology. I mean, them having like the newer TV on top of the even older TV, that's, right. that's like a, to- right. that's totally something that that's, existed in in my household from one point or another even the cars uh the main cars that are featured are like 
old station wagons or mm-hmm. two door. Uh, I think there's a convertible or something, and it all seems like sort of late seventies big American cars. But then on the street, you can see there's more modern looking cars. I mean, it just I it was done in. From what I read, it's, it was done very intentionally by the director, uh, David Robert Mitchell, to um, keep keep it out of time. Yeah. And I think where, you know, other sort of teen slasher, it definitely harkens back to like Halloween and all of those original uh, movies from the 80s and sort of tone yeah. and how it looks and certainly the the score of the movie. It's like heavy synth music. Mm-hmm. Um, but simultaneously, the first scene of the film, you see a woman or a young woman uh, calling her dad on a cell phone. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. like, well, where, <laughs> where, when is this movie? Um, I th- and I think it and not being able to place it at any time makes it even more disorienting and unsettling. Mm-hmm. This is not a firm uh, time uh, it's, it's just sort of this, I mean, it, it's what you might expect, the sort of logic you might get out of a dream. And I've, and I've always felt this, mm-hmm. this movie has a certain dreamlike quality to it. And it's probably mm-hmm. aided by this, um, by this aspect. Mm-hmm. I will say I, there's every choice that is made in this movie is done with a lot of thought and intention. Mm-hmm. And that is not something I think I'm used to seeing in this sort of like teen genre type movie. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I will also say, <laughs> what's that? No, no, yeah, because those teen genre movies are crap. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. The the interesting thing I real I realized just now is that um, we covered Ravenous two years ago, and then. Eating Raul, which were both uh, very aware of what kind of movie they were making, and they were making dark comedies. Those were not serious films. And this, I think, this is really the first time we're talking about a movie that I would call like a serious film. Right. Absolutely. So I'm a little lost because I don't have anything to like riff on here. <laughs> There's nothing funny about this movie at all. Oh, I don't I don't know. I, I find a few things in it pretty hilarious. <laughs> well, Robbie, maybe you can maybe you can take us through sort of like the plot. So I set up the the rules of it follows, but maybe you can take us kind of through what happens here in this movie. Yes. Well um as you mentioned the protagonist is a young woman named Jay. Uh, and she's been, um, going out on a, she's been dating this guy named Hugh, who's kind of like, um, you know, fairly strongly built looking like guy. Um, and she has, uh, she has a collection, a trio of friends, uh, or, or siblings and friends. Uh, was it her sister is Kelly. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess maybe they're sort of mutually friends of both Jay and Kelly's. Uh, there's a young yeah. woman named Yara. They're just like neighborhood people. Right. They just are in the neighborhood. They grew up together. They're inextricably linked to each other's lives. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In that way. That, yeah. I think that's an excellent way of putting it. Yeah. So there's a young woman named Yara. She of the um, makeup compact e-reader. 
and uh, mm-hmm. a guy named Paul, um, who uh, I, I'm not the first person to have the thought that he may in fact be the true villain of this film. <laughs> uh, um, and then, uh, so Jay, yeah, and then of course there's across the road neighbor, Greg, so Jay and Hugh have been dating uh, for an undetermined amount of time uh, by the start of this film. And eventually this uh, leads to after engaging in the intercourse, uh, uh-huh. Hugh uh, dr- uh, dr- gives Jay the old rag soaked in some sort of uh, thing and knocks her out. She wakes up tied up to a wheelchair and he's explaining that he has this terrible curse that there's this thing that follows him, and he, he as and he lays out a lot of the rules um, uh, for uh, as you've uh, explained. And we see the first appearance of this entity. It's just it's it looks like a person walking, right? Mm-hmm. Though usually I've, I've I noticed. I mean, anyone who watches it will notice that. About nine times out of ten, it's wearing some sort of like I guess it's preferred um, attire is like underclothes. <laughs> so there's a lot of like undershirts and mm-hmm. boxer shorts, or uh, just outright underwear or a nightgown. Um, I, mm-hmm. There's a couple, and I think they're the they're either off in the distance or they just get described because like on the date, Hugh describes on a uh, a a uh, girl in a yellow dress. And then like, I think mm-hmm. in the background, at least we're led to believe uh, it's the entity it's wearing like jeans and a jacket. But for the most part, it seems to prefer to wear underwear. And mm-hmm. uh, so Hugh dumps uh, Jay off in uh, front of her house and speeds off. And yeah, this, this movie is kind of basically there's like three acts and they, they all culminate with Jay having sex with a different person. Um, you know, the first act where we get everything kind of established is uh, is with Hugh, and then the the next act is her trying. You know, she she slowly begins to realize this thing is real. Like she sees some old woman in a nightgown on her college campus. I think that was supposed to be. I think that was supposed to be her dead grandma. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because there is this immediately preceding that. So what happens is Jay gets dumped after, well, she's not raped. It was consensual, but after she was drugged, yeah. Um, Hugh dumps her off in front of her house mm-hmm. because he, he truly has no desire to directly harm her. Yeah. He just wants to be free of it, whatever it is. And so he dumps her. And so then her parents call the police and whatever. So, um, you know, uh, you know, the police go to investigate the site where she was tied up and all that sort of stuff happens, but nothing really comes of it because it wasn't a rape. And also they don't actually know who Hugh is. So mm-hmm. that's a thing. But to the point about the dead grandma, when, um, the, there's like two really brief instances where we get an adult in this movie. Yeah. And um, which is notable in it of itself. 
for creating the mood. Adults are virtually virtually is. absent from this film. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's put a pin in that. But one of the moments where we do actually see Jay, Jay's mom is that she is, it's sort of like in the background over the TV, she's talking with someone about what happened to Jay mm-hmm. and how terrible she feels for her, but she also doesn't really understand what's going on. And is that's kind of happening, that noise, like almost all of the adults are like muted down in this movie, almost the way they are in like Charlie Brown. Yeah. Or peanuts. It's funny. You mentioned that. I, I had, uh, in reviewing, uh, this film, uh, rewatching it in, in preparation for this, Crystal, you're not going to, well, you probably will believe me um, and and believe (laughs) what I'm about to tell you because it's me. (laughs) When I was rewatching this film, there were periods of time that um, when the adults were speaking, I imitated the (laughs) The trombone (laughs) or the trumpet or whatever with the plunger. Yeah. We were playing hangman. (laughs) Studying? Oh, yes, ma'am. You're absolutely right. There's such an afterthought in this movie. Again, a really intentional choice. But uh, during the scene where with the TV on and the mom is talking about what happened to Jay, the camera pans over to the wall of family photographs uh. and it stops and hovers over a um, elderly couple, which I assume are the grandparents, right? It's almost the very next scene where Jay is sitting in class at community college or wherever she is. Um, she starts to look out the window and very slowly coming towards where she is is what you can kind of make out as an older woman in a hospital gown. But as it gets closer, you know, I, I think the edit there is to imply she's seeing her dead grandmother. I see. Or her alive and hospitalized grandmother. I don't know. But I don't know if she's dead. But that I think that's the implication. Damn. Because of how they edited Damn, it. Damn, Crystal. I felt really proud of myself for some of the other, like, <laughs> incarnations. I was like, oh, that's the neighbor kid. Or, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Well, I'm sure you caught some that I didn't catch. Like I said, everything in this movie was done with without pretension, but with a lot of intention. Right? Yeah. It's not, it's a, it's a really tidy movie, which, uh, which I, I, this is the second time I've seen it. I watched it right when it came out and then, um, and, and then again now. And, uh, I mean, it almost knowing where the scares are coming made it worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. Um, the dread of anticipation is, isn't that right? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So the first act is basically Jay realizing this is real Mm -hmm. right yeah and then the second act is what happens then she progressively is able to convince people mostly mostly by virtue of the entity uh doing stuff various things that sort of one by one clue people in uh, as to like holy crap this thing is real um and yeah, there's a lot of trying to figure out what's going on precisely, uh, trying to track you down. Um, and this is, uh, this is where Greg really surfaces in, in, in the storyline. The thing that has stood out to me more and more every time I watch this film is Crystal, can you name a male character in this film that 
didn't in some way like sexualize Jay. No. <laughs> right? I mean, but there's really only three guys in this movie. Well, but yeah, I mean, there, there's, um, yeah, there's Hugh, Greg, and Paul, and but then also there's the yeah. there's the neighbor kid who's always like leery, like sort of spying on Jay, um, and he uh-huh. and obviously like I mean he's a he's a, s- a smaller kid, but he's kind of like I guess he's probably just entering puberty, and he's just like there's this a uh, attractive girl next door that he's kind of like. I guess he's noticing, you know, that she's a woman and, and so forth. And um, like, yeah, like the only male character that we don't see any sort of depiction of sexualization from is like the the investigator who's interviewing her after Hugh drugged her. And, it, right. and that's partially because it's one of these adults who like you don't even see him. You see part of a pant leg. And just a voice yeah. off screen. So, yeah, it's uh, like, I mean, Hugh, uh, I mean, granted, his is more of a, uh, he obviously his mind is kind of focused on, <laughs> on the business, just sort of, it's more of a, uh, kind of a business transaction for him because he just has to get rid of this uh, curse. Uh, but, you know, Greg mm-hmm. obviously has, uh, uh, w- like, when he sees that this uh, this troubled neighbor from across the street needs help, he kind of, uh, you know, swoops in and obviously has some, some level of interest. And then, of course, Paul, who is, you know, like, the, the stereotypical nice guy. <laughs> and it's just like, he's hanging around and he's like, even if he, before he really believes Jay, he's like, Oh, I'll help. I'll help. Because he wants to be useful. Uh, Yeah. And just seeing like, and seeing him get jealous of Greg is is just kind of amusing. Um, uh, Though it's interesting because you kind of get a few scenes with a little implication that Kelly, Jay's younger sister might actually like Greg. Like she waves to him mm-hmm. early in the film when he's washing his car and she talks with him briefly uh, when they're driving somewhere. Uh, though it would seem that Greg, like if he can't get Jay, I it looks like his second choice is Yara because there's a scene where he's kind of like mm-hmm. checking Yara's legs out when they're searching because they, mm-hmm. they track down the house that Hugh was allegedly living in, and this was uh like sort of just to to um to to help cre- maintain his uh his anonymity uh so that like they wouldn't be able to track him down to his real house um you know and it, and then of course yeah it, it's uh there's a lot of um. A lot of people interested in people who aren't interested in them in this film. <laughs> well, I think yeah. I think that is to say, like everyone is sort of game at this time in their lives. Yeah, yeah. And everything is kind of mushy. Right. Yeah. No. No. In, for sure. In the sense that, like, it's that space between, sort of like. 
adolescence and adulthood. It's just, there's, no one's really in a relationship. You know, it's just. It's a really awkward, confusing time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Pumpkin Spice Podcast is a place where all spooky podcasts come to live. In the Pumpkin Spice Podcast feed, you'll hear episodes about all sorts of horror movies and TV shows. And just like the Pumpkin Spice Latte, it's available all year round, but only promoted during the autumn season. So go subscribe to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, where we showcase all sorts of horror podcasts. That's Pumpkin Spice Podcast, part of the Bridgeburner Collective, and available wherever you get your podcasts. I was trying to get in the right headspace to talk about It Follows tonight. Yeah. So I I got into my uh, junior and senior year yearbooks. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Things were really squishy back then. You know what I mean? Things were... uh, uh, There was just a lot going on. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, Simultaneously, nothing was going on. (laughs) <laughs> Everything was possible at the same time. Nothing happened. <laughs> I, I think you've probably just accurately described at least 80% of people's high school experiences. Uh, definitely mine. <laughs> um, um, I also, w- reading how people signed my yearbook, I don't listen. Do kids even have yearbooks anymore? Because there's there was nothing more embarrassing at the time than like like going up to somebody you kind of liked and being like, "We some yearbook." (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, there was nothing more cringy that you could possibly could have done. And then they would sign it like normal. They would be like, "Hey, had a really great year with you. Have a great summer. Hope to see you around." It would be something totally casual and normal and then you would spend the next year of your life trying to unpack if there was any chance there you know are you talking about someone's specific i'm sorry i don't mean to to, to, to delve but yeah but i'm i am just speaking about somebody specifically Hmm. but i think i'm also speaking to everyone's experience universally oh yeah no of how like yeah Someone would be be doing something totally normal and sort of thoughtless at you. Just like, hey, have a great summer. Hope to see you around. Had a fun year this year. Bye. Like, <laughs> that's how everyone signs a yearbook um, that wasn't actually like, you know, a close friend or something. Yeah. And uh, and then you and then you spend, you know, the next year being like, huh. You know, was there, was there something going on there? Probably not. I can definitely. And then you're almost 40 years old and then you're having an existential crisis about it all over again. And then you have to record your podcast <laughs> about it follows. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, now I'm being specific. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, uh, well, but it's also like going back, going back through it, kind of thinking about like who were the Pauls and the Greggs. Yeah. Who were the Pauls and the Greggs? Who were the Pauls? And I'm like, oh, I feel like this person, this guy who like left his phone number in my yearbook 
probably was appalled. He was trying to shoot up a flare, like, please call me. Yeah. yeah. I never called that guy. <laughs> it wasn't, it like literally wasn't until I don't, I won't name names, but it literally wasn't until years later when he like hit me up on MySpace or Facebook or something <laughs> where I was like, oh, this dude had a crush on me. And I was like completely unaware of it. And then I forgot about it again. And then I saw him at a friend's wedding a couple of years ago. And I, I was at the wedding with my now current husband and I just feel like he died a little bit inside. Oh, no. <laughs> and I showed up with another dude and now I'm like, but now this is how oblivious I am. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy left his phone number in my yearbook. And I didn't, I, it took me two decades till tonight to realize that he was like down bad for me mm. and I just didn't even I you know he was cool yeah I know hey he was a cool guy but I was just like you know he was like not even a Paul because I was too busy like trying to like get with Greg you know what I'm saying right right no exactly just Paul's and there's just Paul's and Greg's and then but honestly most of my dating life has just been Hughes <laughs> like do i even know your real name oh, God. did you just give me a supernatural std <laughs> yeah, that's what life is uh you know you, you, that is it's, you're, hey you know you're either a paul gregory yep yeah. <laughs> um well i think i think as you said you're 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 describing something that while you're describing a specific uh circumstance involving you it's you're also describing something that can i mean you're gener you're you, you it's an experience that we all have like i've often thought back on i wish i i knew a lot of more stuff in hindsight uh i feel <laughs> i feel i was like i was pretty freaking oblivious on Several things yeah. uh, in my late teens and early twenties, and yep, yeah, yeah. If I same, absolute same, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely the same. I mean, literally figuring it out tonight. I'm like, oh my god, this guy has ha he had a crush on me, and then he like. Once I don't think he was obsessed with me, but I think when he had the opportunity to get my attention, he took it. Yeah. In the years since, I don't. I think he has gone on with his life. Right. I think he's okay. Good. You know what I mean? But I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like didn't know that, and then I started flipping through the other, you know flipping through the other parts of my also people really seem to think i had some kind of drinking problem in high school <laughs> um based on what they wrote in my yearbook because maybe i went to a party one time and was drinking oh i see okay well, 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 well i mean not to say i didn't drink like i'm not i know my mom listens to this she knew that i did but i it seems like people thought i was drinking a lot more than I was. Are, to be clear, I graduated from high school and went to college. I had my life together. Right. Like, <laughs> well, what were people writing like, Crystal, get help? <laughs> You're not in this no, alone? No, it was just like, hey, sober up, sister. I don't know what it said. It was just like, like somebody drew a fucking absolute bottle of vodka, okay. an absolute bottle of I'm just like, what? Y'all thought I was drinking a lot more than I was. 
Yeah. Like most of my Friday nights in high school were spent watching like Gilmore Girls with my mom. Y'all need to go. <laughs> well, what, what, what? So I was like, not partying that much. Yeah. Yeah. So. What, what's that? Um, <laughs> what's that thing Mark Twain said? Give a man a reputation as an early riser and he can sleep till noon. Um, so uh, apparently that party must have just disproportionately made up uh, a lot of these people's perceptions, I guess. Uh, I I guess well maybe they were they were all just like more lame than I was I don't know uh, maybe which is like another thing it's just like you're so you're so wrapped up in your own shit at that age that not only can you not perceive yourself correctly you can't perceive what other people are doing correctly yeah yeah anyway it follows <laughs> It's funny you mentioned yearbooks because that's how they use that's how they tracked Hugh down because when they were done searching his um beautiful segue, Robbie. Thank you for thank you. saving me from that pit of despair that <laughs> You're I was welcome. going in. That's what I'm here for. After they search Hugh Hughes's um So good is is uh his false house where he was just sort of hiding out on a mattress and Yeah, and wanking a lot. <laughs> One presumes to tr- no, there was a lot of porno mags and a lot of dried tissue paper. Yeah, I fe- found. I feel like I mean, I don't know about. He, I think he was trying to get. I think he thinks it was like like if you ejaculated enough, you could be rid of it or something. <laughs> I think you know before he really realized what was going on here. You know, in, I guess in between implementing uh, parts of his uh, plan to pass the curse on to Jay. I mean, what else are you going to do with your time, right? Like, maybe it's worth a shot. Uh, if I just, maybe I can get this entity yeah. to follow this this tissue around. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. Well, it's also, it's also really interesting because there's a bunch of, like, cans and stuff that he'd hung up around the windows. Right. Of this dilapidated house. Like, he had all these traps to hear it coming for him. Yeah. So, like I said, it had a physical manifestation, even if other people couldn't see it. Right. It interacts with the environment around it. A door can stop it, basically. Not not for long, but you know. yeah, it can. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it it has it has certain limitations. Yeah, it's not like some ghost that's gonna like just automatically get to you. Um Yeah, it can't pass through walls or anything. It has to break a window. Right. Before it can get in your house. Yeah. 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 Well, it, uh, and then, so but they find like a picture of Hugh in this like, uh, Letterman jacket or whatever. And they track that down to the school. I was very, I found it very interesting that like these two sort of young 20 somethings could walk into this, uh, high school and I guess, but maybe go to the library and be like, Hey, can we look out your old yearbooks to track down someone? And the librarian uh, or school staff member apparently had no problem with uh, accommodating this. Um, uh, and then. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I, I, I felt kind of a little at, uh, like, I mean, that's like the the one thing that like struck me as, um, you know, aside from supernatural entity as the like the most unrealistic part. Like I could more easily get behind because not this um, obviously this whole podcast is spoilers, but the, 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 the climax or the, or the penultimate moment of this movie takes place at a public poll. 
But in, in you know, you, you stop and you're like, how did they gain entry to there without like setting off an alarm or something? But that I can rationalize. Like, I figured, you know, maybe Paul worked there one summer, not as a lifeguard, of course, but at like the concession mm-hmm. stand, and he just knows how to get in through the back or something. Um, but yeah, just very strange. But yeah, they use that information uh, to track. Hugh down. Hugh further explains, uh, elaborates on on the situation. He, I mean, yes, it's shitty that he passed it to Jay, but he himself is also a victim because uh, he was right. describes being at a bar, had what he thought was a one night stand. Um, yeah, and I don't know whether uh, whether we're left to assume that the woman explained the rules to him. Or if, you know, he kind of had to discover it himself. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like, I mean, Hugh described when he, when he goes through this whole elaborate thing of making, having Jay tied up to the wheelchair so she could see the entity and explaining all this stuff. I mean, he says he's doing it to help her, but I mean, really he's doing it to help himself because if she gets killed, then he's back on the, 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 the target list. Um, right. And so, I mean, it, it does seem like you would, the common courtesy would be to at least explain the rules. And I mean, I guess he did it in such a way where like, she was more likely to believe it. Whereas like, if you just had sex mm-hmm. with someone and then you're like, Oh, by the way, here's all this stuff. I mean, that's probably going to be make less of an impact if they don't actually see the entity in some way. Yeah. Um, well, um, I think probably, so the very beginning of this movie, which we didn't discuss, is that there's a woman named Annie who's running. It's the very opening scene. Mm-hmm. She's running from her house from nothing anyone can see. You know, a neighbor asks, are you OK? Do you need help? She says no. She takes the car. She drives it to the beach. She calls her dad and says she, you know, leaves a message for him or talks to him and says, again, adults, not in this movie, um, <laughs> you know, tells him that she loves him. And that she's just apologizes for being so terrible at sometimes. And then um, at dawn, she's she's found brutally murdered. Yeah. Like her leg has been broken at an unnatural angle. Um, and then it follows. That's the title sequence. And then we're then we're on the date with Jay and Hugh. So presumably Annie may have been the last person or one of the people that Hugh because it, so- it seems like Hugh's been dealing with this for a while, right? Yeah. Hugh may, may have hooked up with Annie, right? Mm-hmm. Annie dies because Hugh just didn't explain what was going on or maybe didn't understand it. Hugh hears about what happens to Annie and then realizes, well, the next person he's got to tell them what happens. Because now this thing is back coming for him. So I think Annie might have been like the precursor to Jay. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was that's something I've often wondered with this film. I've speculated like what what did was it Hugh who gave it to Annie? And I mean, it would kind of make sense. Yeah, like Annie was like his first attempt. And I mean, she clearly at the beginning of the film film where she runs out of the house. I mean, she's cognizant to some degree. I don't know if she discovered it on her own about this entity. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And you know she knows she knows enough that she can kind of like run run a distance somewhere, let it like slowly walk towards her, and then run back and get the car. But yeah, it, it does kind of like it gives the impression that yeah she like if Hugh had slept with Annie and maybe he told her some things or whatnot and whatever he he did not give he did not do as thorough a job uh, as he did with Jay. And it, it's kind of like, you know, when it started coming back after him, it's like, oh, well, I guess I got to really hammer it home to the next person I give this to. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. We see like uh, different levels of, I, I don't know if concerns the right, uh, forethought with uh, the way the, the, this gets passed on. Cause yeah, once they've they've tracked down Hugh and Hugh's like, look, you just gotta give it to someone, uh, Jay. I mean, it'll be easy for you. You're really good looking, you know. Like any guy will want to sleep with you, and you know, Jay's not certain she wants to necessarily do this. So, Greg takes them to his his parents' beach house. Uh, I guess on mm-hmm. on the coast of the, the one of the Great Lakes, and. You know, they kind of hang out there. And this is like one of the, um, if there was just a movie that was just this, like, you know, like five young people <laughs> hanging out at a beach house and spending mm-hmm. their, their early fall there, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be totally down for that movie, you know. Um, uh, but then the eventually the entity catches up with them. And I love the, I really love that, like, it chose to, to imitate Yara. Um for this, uh, for this particular attack. Uh, and we, you, you get that great scene where eventually you see Yara is actually out on the lake on, on her flotation device. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh, that's, I mean, you kind of already suspected as such. And, um, you know, this, uh, this leads to like, uh, you know, uh, the situation eventually escalates to Jay running, out, getting into the car and driving away. Uh, Abandoning her friends, but they're not really the ones who are in danger. So it's not really a super shit move. She was scared. She ends up almost hitting mm-hmm. someone, driving off a road, and ending up in a hospital. Uh, and it's kind of like, by this point, like, I mean, she believes the entity's real, uh, you know, totally. And she's really dreading it. And they the, the scene where, like, there's like a there's a, it turns out it's a nurse, but someone's she hears footsteps down the hallway and just the dread mm-hmm. of being stuck there on that bed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she's like, she's like, yeah, I got I got to sleep with someone. I got to, you know, mm-hmm. I can't. So uh, Greg is more than happy to accommodate her. <laughs> um, yeah, Greg is Greg knows that something Jay's scared of something, but he doesn't believe Right. Yeah. He definitely does not seem to be a believer. I mean, he, and he hasn't witnessed some of the, like by now her friend, all of her other friends that like they've seen her, like her being pulled up by her hair. Uh, Paul has tried hit the entity with a chair and been knocked back. They've all seen it. Like yeah. Paul, Paul got knocked the fuck out. Yeah. He got thrown right. across the beach. Total- That's that sequence on the beach. Oh my God. I'm getting chills. Just thinking about it. Um, yeah. And yeah, where her, where, where you see Yara or the, it who's supposed to be Yara 
slowly walking but everyone's just very relaxed right they're having a very relaxed time on the beach they're just enjoying themselves and to see it slowly coming and then eventually um it gets jay by the hair and so what her friends see what we see is just her hair and her head getting yanked back mm -hmm. by nothing and uh you know jay jumps up not jay i'm sorry <clears throat> Paul jumps up and hits it with a chair successfully. Again, you can interact with it. It is there. Yeah. Um, and then he gets like psychically pushed like completely out of frame. Yeah. Yeah. They run into the boathouse that's there. Um, Jay's terrified. Whatever it is, is breaking into the boathouse. Um, but somehow Greg is, I don't remember what happens with Greg, but Greg isn't really. Yeah. He, he was, he was, he was off in some bushes pissing. He was peeing yeah. or something. Yeah. He was, he was peeing. So he wasn't like in the action. So when he comes back, he just like, doesn't really know what's happening. Yeah, He comes back and Jay's, so he doesn't believe Jay's just shooting a gun <laughs> into the. Yeah. Yeah. She's shooting the gun that, um, was in the boathouse out at, um, Whatever it is. But yeah, so she, so like, you know, she drives off with the car. She, en she ends up with a broken arm in the hospital. Her, uh, she invites Greg to enter, mm -hmm. I guess. <laughs> uh, that happens. Yeah. We, and we get like a cut to like, a, we don't hear any words because just the music, but Greg hanging out with some uh, younger girls or something. And with yeah. possibly the yeah. implication that he was passing it on to them, uh, if he believes it or or trying yeah. to, yeah, or he maybe he was just trying to smash. I mean, again, this is like there are no relationships, there are no boundaries. Everyone is game, right? Because that's the right. Yeah, I mean, either interpretation is valid because Greg does not seem to really believe in this thing. So it's entirely possible mm -hmm. that if there wasn't like if he wasn't told like, oh, there's this entity that falls people who sleep with it. It's entirely possible that he would have been present at that location in in that scene doing the exact same thing regardless. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but, and event, but eventually the entity catches up to Greg um, and uh, Jay witnesses his demise because she runs over to his house to try to warn him. Uh, I thought it was really, really yeah. interesting. The entity, was appearing as Greg when it was walking up to his house. And then when it, when mm -hmm. it was outside his bedroom door, it was disguised as his mom, which is just, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a few things more terrifying. The idea of like something that looks like your mom wanting to have sex with you. <laughs> I, no guy, no guy wants that. There is a lot of nudity in this movie. Mm hmm. And it's none of it is sexual. No, no, it's it's very like I feel very uncomfortable with uh, it's almost it's almost clinical. Yeah. You know, the way that I mean, the the very the the it follows breaks at the very beginning breaks into Jay's house and is a uh, young woman urinating on herself. Right. Um, later, you know, Greg's mom is has her her robe open, exposing her breasts, but in a very sort of like cadaver like yeah. way. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple of times where the where the it follows this. You you're right. It's it prefers to be in pajamas or some state of undress. Yeah. Um, but yeah, eventually uh, the it follows appears as a completely naked man. 
on top of uh, right the roof of Jay's house. Yes, yes. Um, you know, pee pee out and everything. It's not sexual though. I mean, that's the thing. It's just very clinical. It's like it's like a dead body almost. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, like when you're wearing like hospital gowns, you, you, it does put you when, when there's hospital when it's wearing hospital gowns, you, you're put into a a clinical state of mind, right? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But but even so, it's like it's like um, the state of undress is not seductive and it's not mental. Oh be. yeah, no. At no point. Is you any know. of the ways that this entity has depicted itself in any way, um, in any way, uh, like like you say, arousing or or, or alluring? Yeah. yeah, for a movie, a kind of about sex, it's not sexy at any point. No, very much, <laughs> not, <laughs> not at all. Uh, like all, like even the depictions of sex between the human beings is kind of it's always all it's always awkward and uncomfortable looking Yeah, whether it's well, yeah. When it, when it happens with, um, Greg and Jay in the hospital, she's just kind of like looking over to the side, like almost sort of guilty, but also kind of just bored. Like, yeah, let's just get this over with. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, and what I, what I, what I found really interesting, of course, is, after she witnesses Greg get expired, she she gets in the car and drives just drives as fast as she can, as far as ways she can. Uh, she sleeps uh, overnight on on the hood of the car, um, mm-hmm. and when she wakes up in the morning, she uh, she's along the coast and there's a, a boat with like I guess two or three guys on it. And she mm-hmm. walks up to the shoreline, and I, I thought this was always – I always found this very um, – watching this moment, like, you could – you know, the struggle of, like – I mean, she – this thing is after her, and at this point, she's kind of just desperate, right? She's desperate. Yeah. And, and, and like, just wants a reprieve, and, but at the same time, she – you know, sleeping with these guys on the boat is going to be a death sentence uh, for them. Uh, Cause you know, mm-hmm. even if she tells them all the rules, they're just going to be like later on, they're going to be like, man, that chick with the cast and, and the, like, yeah, what was it? exactly. Yeah, she was crazy. Cray cray, man. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's really, it's left very ambiguous what happens with those dudes on the boat. Right, but right. I choose to believe that she thinks about it and then doesn't do it. Yeah. Because of that reason. Yeah. Either, either, either interpretation I think, uh, uh, could, could happen. Um, I mean, she, she starts to get out of her clothes, but you do not see it happen. So it could be that she, she thought, you know, like you said, like she, she thought better of it and, uh, went back. Um, and then this leads to sort of the, uh, the 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 penultimate moment of this film is like, well, first of all, Paul comes over, and standard nice guy is like, you know, when he comes into a room, <laughs> yeah, 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 he's like, you know, he, ha- he naturally he has to he has to he has to ask. 
Why did you choose Greg and not me? Was basically, yeah. God, I hate this guy so much. Yeah. I'm so, I'm like so glad that you're the one being like, <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy sucks. Well, I, yeah, it's just, you know, the thing is, is I've observed this before. Like, um, I, I used to be roommates with someone who had a lot of these like Paul type guys in her orbit. Um, and, and uh-huh. it was clear. Yeah. She, she, she who will remain unnamed, but yes, I didn't know who you're talking yes, about. Yes. Yes. And it was clear who these people were and, uh, what they were there for. Um, I mean, you know, like, oh yeah, they'll help her. They'll, they'll, they'll drive the car for her when she's going on a trip down to her grandparents and they'll do this and that. But yeah. like, they are, they are waiting. They are hoping that like an opportunity, opportunity will like, manifest itself and i've actually like mm-hmm. i've actually observed uh because there was like a like a car trip and then like one of these guys he was upset because on this car trip one night because she she was like there was a stop and it was like someone she knew from college and her and the guy from college went out to a club or something and <laughs> this guy <laughs> this is this paul uh uh esque person was just like Oh, like, cause he had, he was stuck like watching the kid. And then like, I guess afterwards at some point he had like the, some sort of thing, like, I thought it was just supposed to be you and me and, and your son and no, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, like Paul is just, I, I find him to be like, just truly the most loathsome. Like, I mean, he is like, I mean, <laughs> You know, like he is just totally like he's all in on like helping her just because there's a chance, yeah. and the and there's an awkward attempt yeah. by him to kiss her. Um, yeah, and and even this, I guess they had their first kiss together back when they were like little kids or something. Yeah, some, it's the backstory there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, you're right that 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 was sort of established, and I guess maybe the idea is like. She's always been on his mind to some degree afterwards or, yeah. or whatnot. But even like he, he's the one who comes up with this plan where they're going to take Jay to this, this, um, this indoor pool and yeah. In Detroit, in Detroit, <laughs> South of eight mile. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to, can I talk about Yara for like a quick second? You here? talk about Yara. Because Yara, Yara doesn't have a ton of lines in this movie, but the lines she does have are very important. Mm-hmm. So Yara, I feel like is sort of the Greek chorus ah. of this movie. She is giving us the context of the environment that they're in. So when they talk about coming from the suburbs and going in, into, to, into Detroit, she's the one talking about how her parents said, never go south of eight mile as if the only bad things that could ever happen to you would be in the city of Detroit. Bad things can't happen to you in the suburbs, even though, right, something very bad has happened yeah. in their little sort of enclave yeah. of single family homes with perfect lawns and all that sort of thing. So they actually have to go. I mean, there there's like a whole subtext about suburbia versus, you know, urban living here and white flight. There's like a whole vein of that i mean obviously they chose this location for a reason yeah you know suburbs and then detroit i mean there there's like a whole nother movie there that i'm 
we do not have time to get into. But Yara is at very key points in this movie. Uh, and then at the very end, giving us some poetry, some context to their lives. Um, so I, I think Yara is actually like a to kind of ground this movie into some kind of reality. Yara is like that chorus, you know, she's got her little weird clamshell e-reader and she's <laughs> like letting us know the score at various points in the movie. So um, that's a very good point. You know, having yeah. this, I, I feel, I feel yeah. you're cor- correct. Yeah. Cause yeah, her lines are, are relatively few. We don't get like her talking about, uh, cause she doesn't express any sort of interest, uh, romantic interest in any of the other characters. She doesn't talk, no. so much about her past but yeah she when when she has uh some lines it's uh it, it's it's letting you know you know like you say what the score is at, at this particular moment yeah 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 and people this is not a, a talky movie it's pretty sparse yeah i think there isn't a lot of dialogue in this movie it is it is is mood heavy and very sparse and um i think that's in sort of contrast to so many other sort of quote unquote teen television shows and movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gil- Gilmore girls is a great example of that. Nobody fucking talks like that. <laughs> this is how teenagers speak to one another is how they do. And it follows. Yeah. It's sparse. No one can really articulate what they mean. Um, they, you know, it's all mood. It's all vibes. It's, self-interest versus trying to protect your friend. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like grounded in a lot of realism at the same time existing in a dream. That is a really fine line to walk. Yeah. I think in a movie and they, and it does a really good job of that. But yeah, I think Yara's few lines that she has are very, very important. The other thing I will say as we're, so they go to dump the monster, to kill the monster, to solve the problem. They have to go into the city of Detroit to this public pool. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Later, again, when they're trying to dump the monster, when they're trying to get rid of the problem, where do the white kids go? Where does Paul go? He goes back into the city. Right? So that's where bad things happen. That's where bad people are. Right. That's where we got to leave this thing, right? So it, I, there's, there's like a brilliance here. I'm sorry. I'm like, I feel like I'm sucking off the director at this point. <laughs> I feel kind of like an unabashed fangirl. But like the second time I saw this movie, I was like, they did so much with a horror movie, which are usually so thoughtless and so cheesy. Right. Incredible thought went into this. Every single choice, every single camera movement, the pacing, the music, all of it. Anyway, okay, so they get to the pool. Yeah. What happens? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the plan is is like um, Jay's going to be out in the pool. It's been established that she likes swimming. I mean, the first scene we see her in, she's just sort of going in, into her pool. Uh, that One of those ones where they um, you, you set up uh, walls around and, and fill it with water. Yeah, above ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. it was – it was always interesting um, before they they've got they're going out to the to the uh, the city pool uh, in the aftermath of what one of the entities attacks. You see that it it, it is smashed uh, her her above ground pool so that it drains out of water and it's kind of broken. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I, I when I guess when I first saw that, I almost interpreted it as like the entity was just like walking right through the the pole and like knocking down the the wall. But mm-hmm. I guess um, I I'd heard somewhere on the internet that the uh, the implication maybe this was from the director was that the longer it takes mm-hmm. the entity to to get you, or maybe not so much the length of time, but the more you frustrate it. Uh, the the more yeah. angrier it becomes. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, with how what happens at the public pool, right? Because yeah, yeah, like and their plan is like they get all. This is Paul's plan because you know, like a nice guy, he has to mm-hmm. like come up with the big solution. Yeah, so that Jay will fall in love. White with White knighting like an mf'er, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they 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 plug in a bunch of electrical appliances with uh, extension cords all around the perimeter of the pool. I guess the plan is. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with this plan, just electrically. Yes. <laughs> speaking, but. The, uh, and I guess the plan is. They don't even get that far. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the plan is, I guess, Jay will like lure the entity into the pole and then she'll get out and they'll just start throwing stuff in it and electrocute the entity. Uh, earlier we had mm-hmm. seen actually Jay had managed to hit land a shot on the entity, but it just got back up. Um, when they're, when yeah. they're at the beach and she had the gun. So I guess maybe they're, they're going with the premise of like, maybe well, if blunt force won't work, maybe electricity might kill this, this thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now the, the problem is, is uh, as you mentioned, uh, at the beginning of this podcast and what gets mentioned by Hugh is the entity is slow, but it is not dumb and it mm-hmm. pauses at the, um, uh, at the perimeter of the pool when it arrives and Jay mentions it just standing there. And then instead it starts walking around the perimeter and starts throwing the electrical items into the pool at Jay. Um, mm-hmm. Now it doesn't actually electrocute her to death and I'm not an expert on electricity or, or anything. So I don't know if this is because, mm-hmm. is it because maybe the pool is such a huge body of water that you would need a lot more, current going into it like this isn't just a a bathtub or or something right yeah i i don't think it's that i think it's because it's throwing things thus unplugging them oh yeah that's that's probably because yeah because the entity maybe is not necessarily trying to electrocute jay it could because oftentimes it's trying to hit her with like a hairdryer and then like a television and a toaster it's trying to hit her yeah in the head yes some yeah it's definitely like yeah when you when you get to see the entity actually throwing stuff at her it, it, it is aiming for her head and it kind of like she gets at least one or two uh hits uh, against her head I, I i guess you know if she's knocked out mm-hmm. like she probably doesn't have to be conscious for the entity to do it what it's going to do so Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, this is probably it. And he kind of, it seems frustrated too, when it's throwing these things, like, it's just like, that's it. I'm just going to knock you out right here, right now. Enough of this, you know, BS mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, uh, and then like, so Jay's friends mostly haplessly try to help Paul, who's probably the person, last person who should be allowed to have a gun. Um, uh, <laughs> He, he he tries shooting the entity. Oh my god, you hate Paul so much. You hate him. I, I know. I I can't. Like <laughs> I can't. I didn't hate him this much. I thought he was kind of a weasel, but you like hate his dumb guts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> I mean 
I mean, it's just the fact, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not really a big fan of of Greg either. I mean, he's also like, he's just like, oh, you know, uh, here's a damsel in distress and a perfect opportunity yeah. for me to swoop in. But like, just yeah, yeah. Paul ends up shooting Yara in the leg, and, like, uh-huh. I mean. You don't fire when when someone's downrange. I just anyway. Yeah. Uh, and and the fact that the entity is invisible from Paul's perspective, so <laughs> Paul can see Yara. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. We basically, you know, we we have a situation where like eventually Kelly throws a sheet over the the entity. Paul gets a a shot in on it, but it, that just dumps it into the pool. Yeah. Naturally, we got a scene of Jay trying to swim out of the pool and the entity grabbing onto her ankle. And somehow, because yeah. Paul reloads that gun and somehow he doesn't, he doesn't blow out Jay's brains, but after like three or four yeah. shots actually managed, man, right. I guess manages to land a headshot yeah. on the entity. Um, yeah. And then the and then the pool fills with blood. Fills with blood. And it cuts. Yeah. So we don't really know. No. At that point. No. If it had been it's, stopped. It, like this the, this film has a lot of ambiguity around a lot of stuff. No. Obviously, Jay, uh, at this point, she's not taking any chances. Um, right. And she, like, Paul, the nice guy, the quote unquote nice guy manages to like wait out long enough and she bec- like after she mm-hmm. su- after she's expended in every other possible candidate she they have what is yeah. like just looks to be incredibly awkward sex um yeah i and afterwards they're both just like sitting there as if they're traumatized um uh it was it was clearly so, you know considering the circumstances so uh we get uh like you say like you mentioned earlier they because yara's in the hospital she reads out a little thing from her clamshell it's a nice little bookend because at near the beginning of the film she was reading the clamshell and jay asked her like hey you know uh how is how's the the book and yara's like i don't know yet and now at the end of the film, she does mm-hmm. like, and she, she reads the, the, yeah. the bit of poetry. Um, and our last shot is Jay and Paul walking down the uh, sidewalk hand in hand. And there's someone behind them walking in the same direction. Is it the entity? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And that's it follows. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean there there is there is a very brief scene where Paul goes back into Detroit. Oh yeah, sorry, t- trying to pick up a prostitute. Mm-hmm. So that's what when I say you know like that's where the problems are. That's where you put bad things is in the city, right? Yeah, only good things can happen in the suburbs. And that I mean that's a whole current throughout the movie. But yeah, that's it. Follows. I feel like we were not very funny during this pod because we both were very serious about liking this movie a lot. It's a, it's great. I think it's great. And listen, this had a budget of $1.3 million. You know what the box office was? What was the box office? 23.3 million. All right. That's, that's pretty good return. This was, 
an incredibly successful movie, financially speaking, yeah. considering how little was spent to make yeah, cause, it. Yeah, because so, yeah, because it's like um, it, it. I I mean, I'm sure they spent more on the advertising than on the budget, but even then, like I don't, re- you know, it's not like this had a um, a Marvel movie level of advertising. I I feel like it was no, the advertising it, was. I heard about it from word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. I heard about it from people telling me about it. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty organic. So yeah, no, very, very impressive. I heard I I caught the the desire to watch it follows sexually. No, I'm kidding, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what happened. Okay. But wouldn't that be funny if like you know, you you hook up with somebody in 2014 or 2015, whenever this came out, and they roll over and they're like, I want to tell you about this movie, it follows. And then you're like, Oh, really? And then you have to go see it because the person you hooked up with just told you about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's most. That's how most of us found out about movies in 2015. Um, yeah. Because the internet didn't exist until 2019. No. I think. No, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> Did do you have any party, parting thoughts or, about the film or things things you wanted to mention? I mean, like... I mean, for, for me, I, I didn't other than, other than like, I've seen this twice. I'm going to watch it again in the future. I'm going to get something new out of it. Um, it, it, it's was very scary to Mm -hmm. me because it's just slow building dread. Yes. Yes. There's no monster. There's no monster. Right. There's no scary monster that pops out. And to me, that's scarier than a slasher movie because it could be your mom. It could be your dead grandma. It could be your dad. It could be your friend. Mm -hmm. It could be anyone. And it is just slowly coming for you. Yeah. And, um, I guess that type of anxiety is what inspired the director to write and direct this film. Um, and that is very scary. That's scarier than anything made up I can think of. So, it's a scary movie, guys. Yeah. I, I mean, I know there are some people who, you know, they're not into like the slow buildup of dread. Uh, they, they they need the jump scares for some reason. There's a few of those in here. There, I yeah. Think. Yeah. There, 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 there are a couple, uh, but, but yeah. it's not the sort of hammy. Uh, like, I, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it, it's their, their natural things that would organically happen out of what the, you know, previous moment was leading up to, um, it isn't just like, Oh, some friend, uh, you know, like put their hand on your shoulder when they're out of frame and you're like, Oh, or, or, you know, so forth. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, um, the, the slow dread. I mean, that's, uh, that's the kind of horror I like. Um, I like, yeah, me yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this, this is definitely one of my, uh, one of my favorite horror movies, and uh, yes, slash ASMR slash videos. ASMR video. Like, I mean, if someone could put together, um, like, just a thing of like driving through a city suburb slash cityscape with like that it follows soundtrack music for one hour. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean yeah. that that's I mean that's that's the that's the parts that are that are that really like help lure me to sleep it's just like you say there's long you mentioned mm-hmm. there's long there's long periods where there isn't dialogue it's atmosphere there's some music it um it like 
it's easy for me to like the way my brain works like you know there's not too much talking just sort of you know some sounds yeah. music and I just I eventually just fall asleep so uh, well can I make a movie recommendation to you if that's what you're looking for is atmospheric music and just driving around a city okay I'm 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 receptive. Have you seen the Have you seen the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling? <laughs> I haven't, but I'm taking it that there's. Yeah, I think that might be the film for you. Okay. <laughs> same vibe. Same looks vibe. Like, looks yeah. like I'm going to have another addition to my a- ASMR list. <laughs> yeah, Dri- Drive is another. Uh, it's not scary. Um, yeah. A quiet movie with synth music, very atmospheric, punctuated by some action sequences. But uh, yeah, same same vibe. One of the things that uh, Dave actually sat down and watched this with me, and I kind of want to end on this note, yeah. is that when this came out in 2015, I mean, there's a couple of themes in it, which is like adult, being a kid in a time where you're sort of unsupervised, which is kind of of a time pass it's something Mm -hmm. more akin to like growing up in the 70s or 80s um having being scared of something but not really relying on your parents to figure it out but having your group of friends in your neighborhood yeah there's so many themes in this movie that and because this movie was so popular for how small of a movie it was, I think that really set up an audience to receive Stranger Things oh, to come out yeah, okay. several years later. Because there's so many, there's so many. It's it's sort of like this nostalgia for something, and it follows the synth music, all of that, the timelessness of it. Even though Stranger Things is more action packed and you know, hearkening back to Spielberg and all that. There's, there's obviously a lot of influence from John Carpenter and, and those types of movies mm-hmm. that I think it follows as kind of like the first scratch of the nostalgia for that. And, and people really liked it, especially people our age really liked yeah. that. We really liked this movie. So I think the audience reception, it falls really set up, you know, places like Netflix to be like when, you know, whoever it, I don't remember the Duffer brothers or whatever it is that does stranger things when they went to, to pitch that show to see that there actually was a market for that type of thing. So I, I think there's a direct line between it follows and stranger things being super popular a couple of years later, it kind of primed audiences for this type of, um, you're nostalgic for something maybe you haven't even experienced. I feel like your husband you know? is definitely onto something there. Yeah, because it's it, yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, well, the, to be clear, Dave and I agreed on that. It was my or, thesis, and then he agreed because oh, he was a film studies major. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, not even film studies, film major. I, I, in college, I apologize. Uh, you. <laughs> That was my thesis. <laughs> you you have a good point there. Oh God. <laughs> but I was but I'm I am legitimized by my husband who has a film degree. Yes. Saying yes. Yes. Uh this that feels right to me. Robbie, listen. We have talked about this movie. Happy Halloween to everyone, because this is gonna come out probably I think five days before Halloween, four or five days. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if people want to send us a spooky note, 
Or just give us money because they like what we're doing. <laughs> How can they do that? Uh, well, uh, re-enact- Reenacted Podcasts has a, a Patreon with a $1 tier for supporting the podcast and a $5 tier for uh, if you occasionally want access to uh, something a little more. Uh, send us an email, reenactedpod at gmail.com. And then on Twitter, we're at Reenacted Pod, uh, Facebook, Reenacted Fans Podcast. And of course, please, please give us five stars on whatever music audio platform you use. Mm-hmm. Please give us five stars. We we're begging you. Please, no, we're not begging. Are we? Are we really that desperate? I feel like we're not. No, that no, we're not. But I did it. Uh, but for comedic effect, we are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, like, get your little clamshell e-reader out. Log into iTunes or whatever you use. Mm-hmm. Drop a little, like. Here's what you can do. You can give us five stars and be like, oh, your shit sucks in the review body. And that's fine. Those are actually my favorite. It literally doesn't matter. <laughs> my favorite combination. <laughs> like, definitely do not do the inverse. Do not give us glowing praise and then like two stars. Yeah, I don't. No, you can talk all the shit you want in the actual body of the review. Just give us five stars. Uh, hey, Robbie, um, how do we end our Halloween episodes? Um... I'm not sure. I don't remember. (laughs) Okay, well, then that's probably good, right? Do we just say happy Halloween? Happy Halloween! (laughs) Okay, happy Halloween, everyone. Bye. Bye! Ha 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 